Patrick Liney and the Columbus Blue Jackets have gotten the last laugh in a season series which has not gone the Jets' way. And once again, despite Winnipeg putting on a relatively decent performance, a number of tactical and lineup decisions held the Jets back from fully realizing their potential in a game in which, you know, you might say they really should have won. They should have come away with both points. We'll dive into what the Jets got wrong against the Columbus Blue Jackets on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey friends and welcome to tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so is 100% free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. Tonight's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On right now to get started. Like I said at the top of the episode, uh, you know, tonight's focus is going to be on Winnipeg versus Columbus. But I kind of want to go into some, you know, bigger storylines that we're seeing with this Jets team over the past month or two. Uh, I think this game is a good encapsulation of maybe some questionable tactical decisions and lineup adjustments that the coaching staff has gone with. And this game kind of feels like the culmination of a lot of it. Now, it's not the worst game the Jets have ever played. Don't make that mistake. I think, you know, you might look at Jonas Corposalo as one of the biggest reasons the Jets failed to score. And make no mistake, he made some spectacular 10 bell saves. Uh, the, the Jackets made a lot of really big shot blocks that kept Winnipeg away from juicy rebounds and stuff. But ultimately, right, I think the biggest takeaway is that the Jets just kind of got in their own way. And I think Bonus in particular uh, really should kind of look at this game and wonder, you know, am I really approaching deployments and stuff in the most effective way? Because you look at this Jets team versus the Jackets, right? Columbus is last in the league. Winnipeg is second in the Central and has generally been doing pretty well uh, this year. But, you know, when you look at the talent differential, right, the Jets smoke whatever Columbus has uh, by a huge margin. And so for the Jets to not really rely on the skill differential to kind of see them through here, I don't fully understand that. If you're playing, you know, a, a much stronger team, right, a team that you need to slow down, that you need to kind of run a little bit of interference on and kind of disrupt, right, the grounded pound approach with your depth players, I can at least understand that a bit more, even if I would still say you should rely on your skill. But for the Jets to kind of play down to the level of their competition, I just feel like that's not really the, be the best way to go about it. One of the biggest questions I have is what exactly is going on with Nikolai Ehlers and why is he getting less ice time? I know that Ehlers has always been a little bit underutilized with the Jets. Not exactly shocking, but uh, for for Bones to you know play him like two out of nine power play minutes um, and, and just really not use him much in the third period at all. 
I really have to ask what Winnipeg's game plan is here because Ehlers is one of one of our most effective creators. He's one of the best skaters, and he is one of our top scorers when he's you know fully healthy and fit. So, is it because Nick isn't actually doing that well? Bones suggested that the power play stuff, um, especially with the lack of of scoring in this game, might mean a change to the personnel and maybe Ehlers goes back on that first unit, but. All the same, I have to ask why he was taken off to begin with. I've heard some interesting theories about that uh, stuff about, you know, maybe trying to give other players on the team a bit more of, of a precedence here in the scoring. But um, f- for me, right, at the end of the day, this Jets team should be fighting for the badge and not for themselves, right? I, I think the most important thing is that the team always comes first. And that sometimes means some sacrifices and hard decisions, Ehlers not getting as much ice time as the rest of the top six for me just really isn't excusable. You cannot, you know, have your most effective transition player, your best perimeter creator, and one of your best slot attackers riding pine in a game in which you're kind of chasing. And make no mistake, after a while, the Jets did start to chase this game. Part of the issue was that they kept taking some really silly penalties, uh, some some really tight calls, and it's not like the Jets can really complain about it because they got you know plenty of power plays themselves and just didn't really do anything with it. But it, it just feels like this was a really big missed opportunity. And look, in, in the grand scheme of things, a loss against Columbus just it's just whatever, right? It's not a big deal. But I think we're seeing longer term trends with some of the deployments and stuff that have put the Jets at a disadvantage when they don't need to do this. Uh, you know, Ehlers not playing as much, um, the, the power play formations and, and puck movement not really being as fast as it should be, the personnel alignments not being on point. It's stuff that's been a continuing problem with the squad, and I think Winnipeg really should reevaluate some of the decisions, uh, especially with the odor, overutilization of the bottom six. I, I think Winnipeg's depth lines can do a really good job of forechecking and helping to create space and softening up the you know opposing skaters, but you cannot expect them to be um, your lead attacking unit, right? Winnipeg's top six should always be the one that gets the, the, the lion's share of ice time. Those are your top scorers, and Winnipeg's bottom lines don't really have that same punch. And so for me, you know, I just look at this game and I think Rick Bonus really got it wrong. And, you know, it's not often that I've said that, and I I can certainly imagine that he probably feels that there were some decisions he made in this game because, you know, you watch the the final few minutes and you started seeing Ehlers a little bit more. You started to see some personnel changes. So I I think even he would admit that it just wasn't really what he was, you know, hoping to accomplish here. But, you know, how the Jets respond to this after, you know, some really difficult opponents, you know, coming up over the next few games, I, I think it'll say a lot about, Bones' own flexibility and his ability to uh, adjust when things are not quite going the way you'd expect. I do want to kind of talk about some of the depth forwards maybe being given a bit too much precedence, though, in just a little bit. I I think that is going to be a bigger storyline as the Jets try and figure out how to uh, fortify this unit at the trade deadline. But before we go any further, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000, and that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on everything from money lines to point scores to even the number of threes drained. I know a lot of you probably are a fan of Steph Curry and the number of threes he can drop. Maybe you want to you know, cast a few bets on that. Maybe you want to uh, cast a bet on what 
career point total LeBron James is going to finish the season this year. Maybe you will even think that the the Celtics are going to win yet another championship. You could drop a prediction on that. And best of all, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. Don't miss a chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on right now. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day. And, uh, of course, we are just sort of diving into Winnipeg versus Columbus, a game in which I think the Jets and the coaching staff just weren't really on the same page and kind of got the assignment wrong. You know, I, I, I said at the start that the Jets kind of, you know, aside from getting goal lead or whatever, they just made life much harder on themselves than they needed to. And I think the, the lineup decisions and the deployments really reflect that. One thing that Bones has kind of gotten into a bad habit with recently, though, and it's especially noticeable in games like these in which the Jets just don't really score a lot, it's the over-reliance on your third and your fourth lines. I don't mind using them and rotating them in and out of the shifts, right? I think that's important to help rest your top six, and it can also create some different matchup looks and give you some defensive stability if you feel like maybe the game's starting to slip away from you. But with the overusage of the bottom six, especially in comparison to somebody like, you know, say Nikolai Ehlers, it makes you wonder why the Jets are going this route. Winnipeg is a team that really doesn't have a lot of margin for error if they're struggling to score. This isn't a team that, you know, they have firepower on every single line to really uh, put opponents away. If you're struggling to score, it's a, a situation where the Jets really need to give a lot more precedence to their top six. And I think for the Jets to kind of get away from that, it's putting Winnipeg at a disadvantage that is, isn't is really necessary. And I think for the Jets at the trade deadline, you know, we've said it before, but like the biggest need is is a major scoring presence. And I don't really know where that's going to come from just because, you know, Timo Meyer does seem like he is very close to joining the New Jersey Devils. I don't know how close necessarily, but it does seem like based on all of the buzz and the trade deadline stuff, uh, as well as what we know about New Jersey's prospect cupboard and all of the picks that they have, that's a team that has the assets to beat out whatever the Jets offer. So I think Meyer is probably not coming to Winnipeg as much as it pains me to say that that's just the truth. And so Winnipeg is going to be you know, taking a look at a number of backup options. Um, and one of the names that I think has been gaining some level of traction, uh, especially amongst the Jets fan base, is Brock Besser, right? You're looking for a guy who can help Winnipeg rebalance that top nine, somebody that gives Bones legitimately three lines to roll. And Besser is an interesting one, right? Because his career with the Canucks has been really up and down. You know, he first joined, he had that amazing release. And then over the next several years, injuries and uh, just general poor play, as well as the Canucks just not being very good and a very supportive environment, put Besser in a, a really deep hole. But this year, He's kind of turning things back around. From what I've seen of him, I I see a really smart player. I feel like he's in dangerous shooting positions often. I like where his mind is at offensively. So I I think for the Jets, he'd actually be pretty darn good. Now, the the, the problem is, is you're looking at a cap hit that's really huge. And he's got some term left, which the Jets like, but the cap hit of what, like six or something, six million, uh, that is a lot harder to stomach. And for Winnipeg, you know, this is a team that's very budget conscious one that doesn't really want to commit a lot of uh, extra cash where it doesn't you know, feel like it needs to. And 
I think Besser, he's an interesting gamble. I think if um, Vancouver Vancouver retains like a million to a million and a half, suddenly the conversation around Brock changes. I think Besser would be a very interesting op, you know, option over, say, somebody like Connor Garland, just because Besser's a little bit younger, and we know that his release is one of his best traits. Uh, I think his finishing talent is legitimately good. His, you know, 5v5 play driving ability is just about break even. So that's pretty decent, right? A guy who can do some defensive work, but also contribute offensively without, you know, uh, giving them, you know, away too much. I think that is a great thing for the Jets. But like I said, the value proposition, a little bit more questionable. But I will say the good thing is with with Brock, you know, you're probably not going to have to pay anywhere near as much as you would for a Timo Meyer. But by the same token, you're also not getting a player who's really anywhere near Timo Meyer's level. So it's it's a bit of a gamble. I think Winnipeg is being linked to a number of players who are decent in some respects. You know, James Van Riemsdyk, I think, could certainly do a job for the Jets. I think he would be a very good fit for Winnipeg's third or fourth line. Um, definitely the third. I think you're not going to see him ever on a fourth line, except uh, if, so, you know, say he was to really struggle and Bones wanted to send a message. But in terms of like a middle six rotational winger, I think that's fine. Besser would be a solid addition in, in your top six. Luke Shen maybe on your back end for, I don't know, Neil Pionk or something. I, I don't know. But all of this to say, right, the Jets are kind of in this weird spot of being really good in some areas, but in the key areas where I feel like it's going to make a difference in the postseason, the Jets are falling a little bit behind. The power play is really struggling. Uh, the over-reliance on that bottom six has been a bit of a sore spot recently. And it feels like, you know, sometimes the Jets just don't really show up for some of these games in which, you know, they, they know that they're playing a weaker opponent. And it felt like, not necessarily that this game was one of those examples, but the Jets just really didn't give their best effort um, across the board. I think Dubois taking as many penalties as he did was frustrating. I felt like offensively he was, you know, pretty decent, but maybe not at his sharpest. And so, you know, when one of your key cogs isn't really at 100%, you know, then benching Ehlers for long stretches doesn't really help the situation. So a lot of things that really frustrated me about this game, I think most Jets fans can agree, this one was a very irritating loss. But I guess the good news is the Jets generally do rise to the occasion against, you know, stronger opponents. And we have quite a few of them coming up over the next couple of days. In just a moment, I do want to talk about one of our uh, big upcoming opponents in the New Jersey Devils and why the Jets are really competing with them for Timo Meyer's signature. Hello, friends, and welcome back to these closing thoughts on tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. We're just wrapping up really quickly with some final thoughts on uh, how the Jets are kind of trying to compete with some of these top-end teams that are quite frankly, better position to make plays for uh, some of the biggest trade deadline options. Winnipeg is about to play the New Jersey Devils uh, on, I think, it, what is it, Sunday, which is kind of funny because, you know, not only are the Jets playing the Devils, but they're also competing against them for uh, Timo Meyer. And I think Winnipeg this year has shown that they are more ambitious than they've been in past years. I think, you know, we're seeing them try and stash cap space as much as humanly possible, which is great. I think, you know, as the trade deadline rolls up, the Jets have more flexibility to make bigger moves. But at some point, you know, Winnipeg is going to have to be aggressive and really go for it if they feel this is their season. You know, the next year or two is basically your window with the score. And after that, the roster is going to look really different. The coaching staff might even look really different. 
And so it's kind of imperative for the Jets to not fall behind and to not lose out to teams like uh, New Jersey, who are going to throw probably the kitchen sink at whatever uh, San Jose is asking for. And with the Jets, I think it's going to be really hard for them to match offers there. Carolina is another team with a really deep pool of reserves. And I think the trouble is, even if neither the Devils nor the Canes extend Timo long-term, it doesn't matter for the short-term, right? They're going to trade for him anyways as a massive rental, and he's going to be a huge difference maker. And I think for the Jets, it'd be really disappointing if they get beat out here and aren't willing to go the full distance to try and acquire a top-end scorer. I'm not saying that you have to trade every single prospect in your cupboard, but I think Winnipeg really does need to think about you know whether or not this year is maybe their last real chance at a title with this current group. I'm not going to say that this team is necessarily good enough to win a cup right now. I don't think it is. I think as 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 decent as the Jets are, it would take a really big streak of fortune to make it all the way through into the cup finals. You know, the West might be on the weaker side, but that doesn't mean that the Jets are are consistent enough to get through, you know, three or four rounds before they finally hit the cup finals and take on whoever, you know, uh, out of the East survives that absolute gauntlet of teams. So all that to say, I, I really think Winnipeg needs to be very ambitious, aggressive, and creative. I, I think the Jets have so many opportunities uh, in the next couple of weeks to really rebuild this roster and fortify it with the kind of scoring depth and skill that can make it a true contender. I think one of the biggest questions, though, is what you do with Neil Pionk. You know, with, with Neil, he's really, really, really struggling, like one of the worst Jets defenders we've had in some time struggling bad. I don't know how you try and manage around it because Pionk brings like legitimate offensive ability. No one is questioning that. It's the defensive side of things where his game has really fallen apart. And I think with what the Jets need, the, the biggest, I guess, boost would be trying to limit Pionk's minutes because let's be real. They're not trading him. I highly doubt that would happen unless they get to the offseason and want a clear salary. But I think they really like Neil and I think the team likes him. I think the players like him. I just don't really see a scenario in which he really, really does get traded. Uh, it would have to be something, I guess, that goes sort of against the organization's typical philosophy. Winnipeg is an organization that is generally very loyal to its players. You don't see them trading away too many guys unless they request a trade and forcefully, you know, will themselves out. But with Pionk, I mean, he enjoys Winnipeg. I think he enjoys uh, suiting up for the team. I think he loves his role. And for for the Jets, I think they enjoy having him. So. With that in mind, you know, when you bring in Shen, right, or another right-handed defender, the main thing is to try and figure out a way to uh, reduce Pionk's ice time and get him a role that's more suitable. I think if you're asking him to do, like, second pairing plus minutes, you're going to be disappointed with the results. But, you know, third pairing minutes, it's going to be really hard to justify because of his his contract and how much he's being paid. But at some point, you're just going to have to accept that you did take a bit of an L with the... Uh, the, the price of the contract and sort of figure out how to make him less of a disaster in the defensive zone. And it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be easy. But if the Jets can kind of manage around it, I think that'll solve one of their biggest problems with this squad. Uh, you know, there's not that many things for the Jets to really acquire other than like forward talent. But on the defensive side of things, certainly just getting Pionk a more sheltered role, I think would make a world of difference. You know, one of his mistakes cost the Jets against the Blue Jackets. It's been a recurring theme over the past several months. And, you know, as much as Winnipeg probably doesn't want to admit it, Neil's just not really bringing the sort of value that he needs to. 
And it's really a shame because, like I've said, he's always been really accountable. He's a very likable player. Uh, he's an on ice and uh, locker room leader. So for him to struggle, it is, it, you know, it sucks to see. You always want him to really do well, and it's not been that kind of a season. But I'd be curious to know how you feel about Pionk. Let me know what you think they'll they'll do with him. Maybe you, you, you know, you see the Jets trying to trade him. Let me know what you would think uh, a trade package would even look like in the YouTube comments below or at my social medias at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Jets your first listen of the day every day. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe again on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. But again, for tonight's episode, that's all the time that we have. We'll see you back here tomorrow. So have a great night and go Jets go.